in the world right now. You could be you could be barbecuing right now. I know a lot of the men here could be smoking meats and different things like that. Um, and you guys decided to be here, so thank you so much for being here. My name is Joe uh, Joe Yarbrough here. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm very, very honored to be able to speak to you guys today, this morning. Uh, just a precursor. This is my first time ever speaking to adults. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you thought I meant like in church. I meant ever. Like I don't really, I try to stay away from adults. I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to adult. But welcome again. My name is Joe. I help out with the student ministries. If you have a child, if you guys have a child that's in middle school and high school, let me hear you guys. How many of you guys are right on? It is truly an honor and a blessing to serve your students as you're able to walk alongside them as they walk in faith with Christ. It is literally the highlight of my life. Truly it is. It is awesome. But first off, again, can we give another hand for all the people that have, have given their lives for this country on this Memorial Day, right? Such an honor. Thank you, uh, Chris, for that. But I am, I'm just super glad. But if you don't mind, let us pray. And let's dive right in this. Let's give credit where credit is due. And let's get into this, what I think God has been really putting on my heart. Amen? Let's do it. Heavenly Father, God, we just adore you this morning, God. We thank you so much, Lord, for all that you do in our lives. And, Lord, in the seasons of life, as they change and they change, God, you stay the same. And that is the reason, God, we gather here today that no matter what is going on in our lives, here is a constant. Your love between your children is a constant. And, Lord, may we really find hope and pure joy in that, God. So, Lord, we lift you up. Lord, I pray that you just empty me out of all of my own thoughts, my own words, and my own ideas. May I be filled with your Holy Spirit and preach your word to your people, God. So, Lord, we ask this on this blessed and holy day in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Right on. Well, by a show of hands, how many of you guys have changed in the last 10 or 20 years? Right? I'm, every hand should be going up. You know, just there's so many changes in my life. Um, even when I look back on it, about a, almost a year ago now, coming up in this, in this June, uh, my wife and I moved back to this area in the Inland Empire. I was, uh, I'm from Lake Elsinore, where my Lake Elsinore people at. Thanks, Mom. All right. <laughs> I'm from Lake Elsinore area. Uh, I've, I've, I've always been there. And about almost three years ago now, uh, I felt the call of God to move to Sacramento. Uh, it was a really great, great time of ministry up there. And it was a huge change for my, my life and my family. And a lot of you guys have, you know, had huge changes like moves and, and distancing yourselves from families like that. I was literally eight hours away from the nearest family member in my, in my life. And then I decided to make a different change. And a year later, I decided to get married and then take my wife eight hours away from her nearest family. And uh, it was a huge change in us living alone. Uh, you know, like I said, my wife and I, this June, we're coming up on two years of marriage and... Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks again, Mom. So, yeah, it's just been a great, it's been a crazy journey. I mean, it's truly, as they say, you just can't prepare for marriage. I tried so hard. I tried to read the books and everything, but there is so many changes that go on. Whether you've changed the last 10, 20 years from moving, whether it's from changing vocation, whether it's from losing family members, whether it's gaining new friends, or maybe even gaining some new friends around this area here like I have. But really, you, everyone has changed. It's funny how change, like we fear change, but yet we're probably the most subject things in all of creation to change. It's that we fear it, but yet it's inevitable. We can't fight it. 
Like, and if you don't believe me, look at your yearbooks all those years ago. In fact, I got some photos here for you guys if you want to see it. Yeah. Talk about change. Talk about the change. Amen. Now, first off, first off, first off, first off, I know what you're thinking. Bring back the hair. I've been trying. I've been knocking on that door with my wife, and she's just not having it. But that blonde right there, can we talk about it? It was phenomenal, and it was great because it was very convenient. I can convey my feelings through different colors in that hair. It just set real well. It was great. I don't know why I had a 1,000 wristbands on. I don't know what they were for, but I had them. But, yeah, the hair and the faces, that's actually how I smile. Again, my mom took that photo. And so, but what's crazy about these changes is as much as I don't look like that now, I've traded the colored hair for colored ink, I, this same person here, a lot hasn't changed. And with that, a lot of it is some of the music that I like hasn't changed. Some of the passions that I have haven't changed since then. And a lot of the traits that I carry stay the same. It's crazy how such an outward change can't reflect such an inward change, how change is. Isn't it crazy how change works? I mean, like, think about it this way. We see it as a backhanded compliment when we run into somebody from our high school days or back in the day, and they look at us and say, wow, you haven't changed a bit. We kind of give them that look like, oh, really? You changed a bit. You gained about 20 pounds. What's up? You know? But yet, we fear the outcome of who we will be in the years to come. It's like we, we, we want to be this person and stay in this moment, but yet we don't. We want, we want growth, but growth requires change. It's just change to me has been something that's on my mind. In fact, sometimes when it comes to change and how we resist it, we resort to past traits to put up present walls to stop an inevitable future. How crazy is that? We literally try to control time just to not change, which is impossible And I believe what stops people from having an authentic, powerful, and truly amazing relationship with Jesus is change. Specifically, the fear of change. You see, the one thing that that people oppose when Jesus walked this earth, and is is kind of plaguing his church today, is Jesus was constantly changing the way that people lived, how they thought, and how they loved, how they worshipped, everything. He was an element. He was an advocate for change. He was the fulfillment of the law, and he laid out new covenants, new laws, and new connection with the Father. It's so funny. I love in the scriptures, like even we were, in the youth group we were talking about, Uh, We've been going through this series that we finished called Any Questions, and it was a chance where your students could write down or text any question they wanted about Christianity, about God, about the Bible, about Jesus. And one of the questions were about the Ten Commandments and what should we do, and then we we constantly were seeing this theme in small groups of Jesus, you know, saying one, like repeating one thing and almost raising the bar and calling for change. You've heard this, but I say to you, he would always say this. And it was crazy because he wasn't, He wasn't coming and saying nobody's worthy. He was showing that you need a savior. You need a change. You see, it's funny. I think that's why these Pharisees opposed Jesus so much is because they were pretty set in their ways. And they didn't want to change. You see, when you look about it, even down to the Ten Commandments, when they question Jesus and they say, which of the commandments is the most important? And he says, you know, what what does the law say? 
And they, they tell him the Ten Commandments. He says, truly I say to you, you know, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, we look at that and go, that's easier. Ten things to do versus two things to do. I do that with my wife all the time. Here, you wash the dogs, you walk them, you cook, you go get the groceries, and I'll clean the bathroom. (laughs) Now, you're laughing now, but you haven't seen my bathroom. So that's why. And to me, it's like one thing versus ten things. We all think that. But really, ten checklists of things to do versus something that's an un-never-ending thing to love God for the rest of your life. I don't want to clean a bathroom for the rest of my life. I'd rather just check off the list and look myself in the mirror and say, I'm good. Jesus is an advocate for this change, and that's why they opposed him. They said that the way you're living needs to be different because you need a Savior. It's a constant theme we find in the Bible is change. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. And what it says here, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. If you guys have your Bibles again, we're going to move to Romans chapter 12. And in verse 2, it speaks, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Transform. Be changed. When something is transforming, it is different. It is made new. And yet so many times, and I'm guilty of this, I'm, not, I'm preaching to myself up here. I look to God and I go, why have you not transformed me? Why have you not made me this new creation? I look at my life and I look back and I go, those things are still there. People still remember that. Why am I not new? I want to be new or new, new even. And I look at myself and I go, am I, being, am I genuinely accepting the transformation Or am I just making up things in my head and trying to check off a checklist? The last verse I have is is 2 Corinthians 5.17 here. And that one reads here, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Those are bold words to think about. If I am here... And I claim that Jesus Christ is my Savior, and I signed him up. Now, I'm not signing up for some event like, you know, like the, the women's conference that's coming up. That's a plug. Or I'm not signing up for, like, summer camp. So that was my only plug. Sorry. This is, I'm signing up my whole entire life. My life? Some, some talking to some of your students and your parents are like, I don't know if we've got the time for summer camp. And it's like, we signed up with Jesus. That's forever. That's a scary commitment to make. And I think, if I'm supposed to be calling myself a new creation, and I'm, I'm here in Christ, I have to, I, am I seeing any newness? And who does that really fall on? Does that fall on me? Or does that fall on God? And I think a lot of times people will blame God. Change is inevitable, and for some reason, we try to fight it. I know some of you guys, my wife and I don't have any kids for the reason of I've seen some of your kids. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, but I've seen some kids. Part of it is I, I think about my, I, I hear stories my mother tells me about us. I'm, I'm the oldest of four children. Yeah, four children. Now, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy. I'm only 24 years old. I know that makes some of you guys feel really old. If it makes you, my favorite thing to do when I preach to people that are older, I get to talk to them. You know, I'm 24, make you feel older. I was born in 1991. Some of you guys, yeah, some of you guys were graduating high school. Yeah, I know, I know. 
But it was like, some of you guys could be my mom or dad. That's pretty scary, right? You'd look at me like, wow. But that, that's pretty crazy. Don't worry. I feel old sometimes, too, working with your kids. Some of your kids, like 6th and 7th graders, weren't even alive when 9-11 happened. That was scary to me. Like, it was like, they didn't know. Or Destiny's Child. That scared me. No one knew, no one knew what Destiny's Child was. And they're like, what's Destiny's Child? I'm like, Beyonce and, like, Kelly Rowland and the other girl. You know, like, you don't remember the other girl? She would just dance and then, like, yeah, that's all she did. No. So I feel old. You know, I feel old. Yeah, in fact, one time I was talking to one of the kids uh, over there talking about a cartoon. It was, like, called Rocco's Modern Life. And I was like, they didn't know what it was. And then I told them, like, it was a cartoon in the 90s. And then one of the kids at the smuggle table went, oh, it's for the old people shows. <laughs> I'm from, like, Elsinore, so I get like that real quick for them. I have to, Jesus, come through me, you know. But fighting change, like kids trying to be drug out of a toy store or a candy store. We fight it like that. And it's, it's so funny because it's inevitable. It's inevitable change in our lives. It's like trying to fight the aging process. And we do that sometimes with products and creams and all these, like, spa treatments. It's like trying to live forever through, you know, people trying to put, like, animal parts in their body. Like, oh, yeah, my, my heart's like a gorilla heart. It's supposed to last a little longer. This is crazy. It's even more inevitable than trying to build a dynasty greater than the Lakers. I mean, that's my other plug there. Sorry, I had to give it. That one was for Dylan. Sorry, that was for Dylan. But what happens when we walk with Christ but reject change? And we come to our story today. If you guys have your Bible, please follow along with me. We're going to be in John chapter 18. And I'm so excited because one of my favorite uh, people in the Bible, I know a lot of people who are in ministry, they love Paul's and they love Old Testament prophets. My, I love the Apostle Peter. I love him so much just because... I'm so much like Peter. Like I said, growing up in a family of four, of, of, of four brothers and sisters here, there's two boys, two girls, my mom. In my house, let me just paint a picture for you. The house that I was growing up in, that my family has in Wildemar now, we bought this two-bedroom house with a loft. And in that house, growing up, was my mother, my stepfather, my uncle, my grandma, me, my brother, sister, sister. Seven plus, you know, seven does not equal two. You know, or eight, eight, sorry, I lost my thumb there. Eight does not equal two. So you're probably thinking, what the heck happened? And we, and for, to coin my mom's phrase, we just ghetto rigged it, is what it's called, and just put these walls up in there. Uh, for some reason, I had to go through a closet to get through a door. It was really weird. But having all that, that space, I was always fighting for attention, you know, because there's so many people in this house, so many stories going on. It's like a soap opera in that house, you know, like you can never keep up. Wait, what's like you walk in the kitchen like, wait, what's going on? Who died? Then you go to the bathroom and you come out and it's like, whoa, where did everyone get all this food? And then like, where did everybody go? And then it gets real scary, you know. And I love Peter because me, that had such an effect on my life that it changed me to always kind of get very emotional and up and down, striving for attention, not getting attention and all these things. And Peter is such an emotional guy. I mean, looking at him, I love some of the stories that, uh, that I hear about him, like that this man is just willing to leave his life behind and just go follow Jesus, which to me is admirable. But then you think about just how emotionally driven he is from the denial of Christ to at one point asking God to just completely wash his body after Jesus has washed the, the feet of the apostles and saying, no, Jesus, I should be washing your feet. Let me do that on this emotional roller coaster. And he goes, hey, Peter, just, you know, just come on, dude. I, I got to do this. All right, then wash my whole body and anoint it with oil. Come on, man. The other guys are right here. Let's just, let's just bring it down. 
just come. My grandma does that, used to do that to me all night when I'd get really energetic like that at family gatherings. She's like, Joseph, come. Just right there. And now my wife does it to me, too. We'll go to, we'll go to family parties. She's like, Joseph, just right here. Or she'll do what I call like the, the relationship like marionette where she's holding my hand and she kind of pulls it down. It's like that, just controlling the strings. And it's like, Joseph, it's... And I can see it right now, and the and move along, you know, like that. But what happens is Peter is this emotional being that has, gets from angry to happy to joyous. This man's seen the transfiguration. He's watched Jesus walk on water, and yet he's one that denies him three times. Man, that guy's emotions are all over the place. And we come to the betrayal and the rest of Jesus. What happens is, is we go in verse 4 in John chapter 18, and it says this. It says, then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to the, to the officers who had Judas with them, whom do you seek? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to him, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And he asked again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fill, fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me. I have lost not one. And then Cephas, Simon Peter, this is his name that, that Jesus gives him, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Now I want to pause really quick. Peter has walked with Jesus at this point for three Years. He has been in a committed relationship. It was Facebook official. It was, I'm with Jesus. I'm rolling with this guy for three years. Three years. At, and my mom always says this to me. I've lived with my mom for a long time. And whenever I'd get in trouble, she would do the same thing to me. She would always say, when in the, however old I was, when in the 16 years of being raised by me, did you think that was okay? And I'm thinking, Jesus has got to be thinking, where, Peter, in the three years we've been hanging out, did you ever see me go, get the sword? <laughs> like the, they never, they've never come back at any moment. He was never at the well tired and told this woman, get me a drink. She's like, why? Get the sword. She obviously doesn't get it. Get the sword. Never. When the Pharisees are questioning him and, and, and they're just ridiculing him, he's never been like, Oh, really? Give me the sword, Peter. Give me the sword. Get you. Nah, you know, like that. Never. Never. Literally, they should have had those bracelets back in the day, the what would Jesus do? Because I'm sure, even that maybe not stop Peter, but when was that a WWJD moment for you, Peter? I'm really scared. They're taking Jesus. I know this has to happen. I'm going to cut a ear off. That's what I'm going to do. And also, sometimes me, because to get in the, in the word, I really have to make it real and relational. So I put myself in that place. I imagine Peter talking to the other disciples like, I'm going to do it. No, Peter, stop. No, I'm going to do it. Trust me, I'll do it. You don't think I will? No. Peter, I don't think that's what he wants. I know. He washed my feet. He won. I, I, he, I'm the, I saw the transfer. You didn't see it. I saw it. I'm going to get the sword. He cuts a man's ear off. And so Jesus says to Peter in verse 11, Put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? He's basically questioning Peter here. And he's saying, do you not understand? You know I have to do this. Trust me, I tried to get that cup to pass. I remember that prayer. I tried to do that when you guys were all sleeping. I was, I'm trying to get that cup to pass. 
And God said, ah, sorry, I can't pass. You know, you got you to gotta just take this one. Trust me. If anyone would want it, I would too. But you know what? This is more important. Put the sword away. My question to you is, what is your sword? This is a, this is a topic that, that I spoke with my friend Ozzy that plays guitar here. Ozzy's one of my best friends for, man, four years now. And we have the... <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Again, my mom's with us. Um, but for four years, and we have some, once in a while we have these deep conversations that usually comes from stupid conversations, but you know how that goes. And, and that was what came up is that we heard we had heard a friend as a pastor named Adam ask that question, and it really shook me to my core. What is my sword? You see, because that's that's Peter walking with Christ, but rejecting change. You see, he walked with him. He went through the motions. He was right next to Jesus. He was in the ministry. He was the rock. Safest. Upon this rock I will build my church. I would love to be the rock. Not just Cephas, but Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That guy's one of my idols. But I'm just saying, this man walked with Jesus. He did everything. We look at him and we go, man, Peter, an apostle of the Lord Jesus. That sounds like someone that's been transformed. But his actions rejected change, rejected the transformation of Jesus, rejected what would happen. And it's understandable. For us, we think, why would he do that? Really think what's going through his head and what, what it is that sets off you drawing that sword. Peter found hope in Christ, which a lot of us here either have or are searching for. He left everything behind. And even though he knew it had to happen, there's things that are inevitable in this life, and that being one of them, I feel for Peter because... That hurt. He didn't see him trying to fix something. He was scared. That same fear of change. The questions ran through his head. What would my life be without Jesus? Where do I go? Do I go back to just fishing? I can't just go back. I didn't even give a two weeks notice. I'm definitely not getting my job back on the boat. What would it be like without Jesus? Who's going to get me? We reject that change and he decides to strike people with the sword. What is your sword? For me, I think what happens is we're willing to change the little things on the outside to avoid the inevitable transformation that happens in an authentic relationship with Jesus. Because you see, it requires change. This isn't an optional thing to come in Christ. It says anyone who's in Christ Jesus is a new creation, not can be. There's an option later. It's will be, will be. And that's what's hard for me. And I'm guilty. I'm the first one to admit it. And I think what happens and one of the reasons we reject change so much is the fear of fear. We fear so many different outcomes of fear. We fear that that requires to change. Think about this. I just want to imagine with you. For you to change, that would require us to be vulnerable with the people we're sitting next to you. Look at the person next to you. Just give them a look real quick. Tell them they look good today. I mean, I tried to dress up a little bit for you guys. I put actual shoes on. That's right. I, instead of flip-flops, you're welcome. 
But that requires to the person next to you to be able to share your heart. That requires more than a how you doing, I'm doing all right. That requires a I need prayer today. Well, that's scary because we don't know how they're going to react. That requires to share where we've come from so we can help those continue down the road rather than staying stagnant in a place, which we do. We would rather sit in a place still forever until we just die than ask for help on the road so someone can pick us up and walk us a little further so we can get back up. That is not the church that Christ had wanted. He wanted a movement. He wanted change. I know guiltily, that's what I wanted in my life. When I, to, to be honest, when I left church in Sacramento and ministry up there, my wife and I moved back with no jobs, nothing lined up, and I had no intention to go back, not even to ministry, to church in general. I was done. Because all the change that I put in, that I felt that I gave, went nowhere. I found myself back at home with the same people, the same family problems, the same everything. They weren't going to listen to me. They weren't going to care about my resume, what I've done, lives I've changed. At the end of the day, it meant nothing, I thought. But really, I was just rejecting the transformation and change. You see... We can change all these outward things, but it won't change the inside. Because to you guys, I could change the outward and say, I left my job faithfully in Sacramento. And I came out here knowing the Lord was going to call me to something else. And we hear those stories and we go, man, I am not on that faith level. That was not me. I remember praying some nights, like not wanting to pray, and my wife having to tell me to pray. Let's pray about it. And when I would pray, I would sometimes even make a joke about it. Okay, God, what the heck are you doing? And she'd smack me and I'm Joseph. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. What the heaven are you doing? Sorry, you know. And I just get upset. And I could perceive things different ways, but that doesn't change the inside transformation. I think about it myself. I've traded in the color hair, like I said, for the colored ink. I've started to loosen the, the tightness of my pants so I can breathe a little bit. Just a little bit. And that problem comes from us getting to why because we're scared of even knowing why. This is a fun fact that when, my, when Ozzy and I were talking, there was this crazy study that a majority of people cannot stare at their reflection for more than 10 minutes because then they start to criticize, they start to not accept the image, and it gets them upset. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was even staring in the mirror before I came here uh, in the bathroom, and I came out, I went to Ozzy, I'm like, you ever had one of those moments where you're just like, I am so small, not waist-wise, I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting it, but I am so insignificant at times, you know, my personality, my, who I am, my look, everything, wow, and it scares me, and I, and I looked in there for a minute, and maybe a minute, see, the hardest part about the reflection is not in the image itself, it's in the acceptance because it's easy for everyone to go well I can change my look I could be happy I could be friendly I could have a lot of friends I see a person with a lot of friends I know a lot of times with my family with my family my friends and and 
even leaders in ministry. I remember when I was up in Sacramento, there was something I dealt with for a long time that I didn't even tell my wife about. And in that was that I just was, I was very depressed. And I'm still today in that way. Real bad. I remember times, the most embarrassing moments of my life, just being so crippled with sadness that she'd come home and I would just be laying in the shower, just couldn't move. And my natural sword was to get away, to hide. That didn't invoke change. That just let me stay stagnant. I can look in the mirror and I can change it. I can have the smile. I can tell the jokes. I can do all of that. But that doesn't invoke true change. Because I battled with for years looking at God going, why did you make me sick? And everyone else just can be happy. That's so stupid. I'd be lying to you if I told you today when I look at the, the, this image I know there's people could look at me and they could say, this guy's funny. This guy you know, loves the Lord. He's up here teaching the word of God. He must have the most utmost faith. This guy must, he got it all together. Which is crazy to me. Remember I would, I had, I had lunch or like it was dinner with my sister, my oldest sister. Uh, she's like 20, she's 21. And I remember just talking to her like about how come she doesn't talk to me that much. And she said, because well, you just got it all figured out. I don't want to hear a solution on how to figure it out. I'm going through something. And it hurt me because, man, I did not got it all figured out. I needed my sister. And to be able to tell her, like, okay, I just don't got it all figured out. That's why I'm asking you. I'm upset. Like, man, like, you know, I don't know. I'm at my wit's end sometimes, you know. Like, I don't have children, but I, I've, I got worse. I've got two big dogs. Oh. And they just, and I, me, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. And one thing I can't stand more than two things is slaps. When people hug, I know this is a church thing, when you hug someone and you slap that back, ooh, I don't like that. That'll get, you, that'll slap the Holy Spirit right out of me and just get me in a new state. It'll be like a Pam. Ooh, okay, okay. And the other thing, I hate hair. I hate, like, oh, just the feeling of, like, loose hair. Like, even when I get a haircut. I kind of like brush the hair off me as it comes because I just don't like the feeling of just hair in my body. And when you got two big dogs, guess what? There is hair everywhere. <laughs> I truly believe there is a God in the heaven because I've seen hell. And it's hairy. <laughs> Nothing's worse than getting all ready and then sitting in a chair and then you realize, oh no, that dog's been sitting in that chair. And you get up and half of you is Chewbacca. And it's awful. <laughs> I don't got it all figured out. In fact, and it comes even down to the trusting in the Lord to share in my family's life. This was, this was hard this last week. And I knew to talking to, uh, to people in our church, in our rooted group, uh, I knew that the enemy was attacking myself and being able to share this week. But I was hit hard, and I, I really related to this story. You see, when I was younger, my, my mom decided to leave my father and, and left me and him. And for a while, my dad tried to tried his best to take care of me, and he just couldn't. And uh, he decided to, to stop taking care of me. And he dropped me off at McDonald's, off Los Alamos there, and was there for hours until my grandma picked me up. And my grandma is an amazing woman of God, probably the only person in my family that truly believes in God, aside from me now. She dragged me out of bed in the church. I was there even when my parents were together. I was going there every weekend, basically being loved and raised by this woman. 
my whole life as an embarrassing fact that she likes to share to every single new girlfriend that I got in high school, including my wife now. And she was like, you know, Joseph shared a bed with me until he was 12. <laughs> and it's like, ah, I, call, I call her Nini. I'm like, Nini, no one thinks that's cute anymore. <laughs> They're going to start asking if I, like, kill animals. I'm a psychopath now because I sleep in a bed with my grandma, you know. But I loved her so much, and she's been such a light to me. In fact, every time in Sacramento or any time in ministry when things get hard, the first person I'll call after praying is I'll call my grandma, sometimes even before I pray. And I'll, I'll, I'll come to everyone else. I'll try to be strong, and I'll go, Nene, everyone hates me. <laughs> and there was always that comfort. I never needed to change. And then... When my family, my, when my family called me and told me my grandma had cancer, I'd be lying to you if I didn't look in the mirror and say, that's the guy that believes in God. I was mad. I was scared. I was, swords were drawn. I was texting family, being rude to them, saying, you better be there, and you better do what I say. Oh, I'll cut you. Give me the sword. Give me the sword. I'll cut your ear off. <laughs> and I'm still scared today. Because to re- I want to reject that change because I can't picture life without a nini. That's my sword right now. What's yours? Can you not picture your life without that relationship, without that family member, without that house, without that thing? What is that thing? Because that thing, the crazy part of all of that, is Christ died for that sword. That you can bury that thing in the ground and say no more. I'm not going to cut any more ears off. I'm done. And I'm blessed to have a grandmother that will sit there, even in her moment, facing death in the face itself. Because that's scary for us. In our family, people, people die all the time from cancer. We just lost, she just lost her sister to cancer not even a, like a year ago. And I can only imagine, if that's me, I'm thinking, I'm done. I don't understand life anymore. And I went to go see her, and she just held my hand, and she just says, God has a plan, and he will heal me. Just maybe not the way you want it. But I'll be healed. You promised. I'm not going to fight him anymore. I'm going to put my sword away, and I'm going to leave it here. I'm going to leave it at the foot of the cross. Because he died so that I can be a people who don't go out cutting ears, but love people and say, you know what? I'm in this together with you. That is the church. The change of saying, I will be vulnerable. I will be authentic. I will share when I have those doubts. He is a father. And I know a lot of you, maybe you're like me. We back talked our parents. We always, you have kids now. Your kids probably love the favorite word to say is why. Why? Oh, my gosh. I tried to babysit one time for a, like for a lady in Sacramento for Mother's Day, just trying to be nice to her. I was like, oh, babysit your kids. I thought she only had two high school kids. Wrong. She had, like, eight kids. <laughs> and my wife and I were in for a, not a treat so much. It was bad. Right off the bat, one starts yelling and locks herself in a room. So I'm like, great. This baby's dead now. This thing's dead. <laughs> like, she's in there, and she's just throwing stuff around, and she's just yelling. And it was crazy. Then I got to feed them. And it was like termites. My fridge was full. And then I came back and it was just bones. It was like the valley of the shadow of death. And I remember thinking about those things and just thinking like the, the change that that happens in her life, the change that happens in my life in this, that I can look at these people and go, 
man, what it's like to just put our swords down and say, you know, we're here to help each other. We're here to be vulnerable and recognize it. She reached out and said, I just need a break. I need, I need a, oh, my marriage isn't doing good. I got all these kids and, you know, we're doing rough. That's the reward we have. The enemy's so good at lying and telling us if you do that, they're going to judge you. And I'll tell you firsthand, that is a lie that comes straight from the devil, man. That is such a, such a lie. Because I think to myself, he was telling me, you can't share how, how sad you are or how scared you are. Because then everyone's going to think that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be there. You know, you should step away. I, I was even getting lies in my head saying, if you, say, if you share that you're scared, Joseph, you're, you're going to get fired from, from your job. You can't help with those kids. Because you fear God. You fear what God's going to do. You are unfit to do this. You should step down before it's too late. I believed it for a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But can you imagine a church where we together band and say, just dream with me for a minute. Just picture this. All the change. I've, I've been here for almost a year, and I've seen change in this church. And I know there's been a lot more change in its, in its tenure as Awakening slash course. God never saying this change is going to harm us. In fact, he says he has plans to lift us up for good, not for despair. With all this change, God must be prepping us for something great. Imagine a church, the global church, where we could stand and say, I will not fight change anymore. To fight change is to fight Christ, and he already won the battle on the cross. It starts from the inside outward. And we need to declare it with our mouths, with our lives, and with our actions that we say here, I will, I will be here, not so much in this building, but here present as a family member, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, back to back with swords out and saying, we have these swords, but we will not use them. Can you imagine what the world would say about us as Christ followers then? the love we have, truly be what we're about. That's the life I want to live. And it takes us saying, God, I know I've resisted this change. Show me, Lord, why. Help me to be healed. Because the moment we do that, that's the moment we recognize we need Jesus. And we do. When we don't do that, we're saying we don't need a Savior. We're a bunch of saints that don't need a Savior. When in reality, we all know we are sinners who need a Savior. Some of you guys in here have been walking with the Lord for 20 years. Some of you guys may have only been, this is your first time in a church for 20 minutes. And you need Jesus just as much as that person who's been walking with the Lord for 20 years. Let us change from the inside out and let the Holy Spirit work in us and be that change. Be vulnerable. Be authentic. And fear not. We draw strength from our God who died and has already won. We shouldn't be feeling like we're on the fence playing defense when the game is over. The coach isn't drawing up plays anymore when it's 65 to 0 with four seconds left because that's how small our life is here. We win as long as we're on his side. Let's live like we're on the winning team. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for us, and the band's going to come in. I, I encourage you guys at this time, as we worship to this last song, as Rebecca leads us, 
really declare with all of our hearts. For me, worship has been the place where I was able to meet God where he was. And I, was fear, I fear no change. I fear no judgment. I fear nothing. Because to me, eyes closed and hands raised, I am in a complete surrender to God. Looking to him. And it's so crazy because I always think about, this is what heaven's like. No judgment, no nothing. I am here. I can't even see what I look like. It doesn't matter what the person next to me looks like. But I am here. And he is here. And I don't have to be afraid. And those moments, whether you have a family member that's sick like mine, whether your family's falling apart, whether you're losing a job, whatever it is, in that moment in worship, the king of kings is here and he's meeting you where you're at. And that's reason enough to praise you for. So I'm going to pray. And let's declare with our words and our melodies and our voices, with our hands and our movements, God, we want to be the change. We want to be the change for other churches in the world, for our church, for this valley, God. We want something different. And I see a church that can do great things, different things, for the glory of the kingdom. So, Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, personally, God, I just, I, I just want to say from the front, God, I'm, I have all this week, I'm sorry. And I repent, God, just of my fears and those thoughts that I let get to me, God. I thank you, Lord, for such a beautiful church family that I have, Lord, a home family with my wife, God. And I pray, Lord, that you, you really spoke through me this morning, God, and I pray that others are encouraged and motivated, God, to be the change to share with one another their sword so that we can be like Christ in saying, you don't need to put the sword out. You don't need to reject change. You can, you can just be. Your identity is not in those things anymore, in the loss of job, in the loss of family, loss of loved ones, especially on this Memorial Day, God, people who have lost loved ones as much as we love them, our hope and our love rest solely in you that we know there will come a day where your love is all that matters and we will be with those others. Help us change God from the inside out. An inward faith so authentic, so vulnerable, God, that we can't help but be changed. That people will look at us and say, wow, you've changed a lot. You are def- you're a, a, a new creation. That's all I can think of. You're a new person. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. Broken people. We need to be made whole by you. Thank you for your cross. Thank you. Would you guys stand with us as we sing?